0: First March episode of the Dawson T O and Fanta podcast is yes, that is right. It is officially March. It is Sorry. officially March Madness. It is conference tournament week. It is championship week. And guys, I don't know if you agree with me. I love the first weekend of the NCAA tournament. I might love conference tournament week even more. There is nothing better than wall to wall college basketball to bet on to, to bet on at Bet Rivers, to to watch on TV to to sweat out to go to games like this is going to be an unbelievable week i am so 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 unbelievably fired up for what we got in store coming up we're going to talk about uh, all of these conference tournaments we have we're going to talk about the ones we're most excited to see the matchups that we need to watch we're going to give you some ncaa tournament darlings and we're going to talk about our postseason awards that came out on the field of 68 today on monday morning but before we do all of that uh, there was a game on Saturday night in Cameron Indoor Stadium. Fanta, I don't know if you heard about this. Coach K, uh, uh, Mike, Mike Krzyzewski, I think his name is, was, I, I guess he was coaching like his last regular season game. Did you hear anything about this? And they lost?
1: <laughs> I've heard a thing or two. Uh, memory's a little bit faint right now because in March, there's moments happening at every minute. What happened on Saturday will go down as North Carolina Tar Heels fans Favorite regular season win ever and one of their top three to five favorite wins ever. The enjoyment level of Carolina fans has to be through the roof right now. I thought going into Saturday that there was no freaking way that the Duke Blue Devils would lose in Mike Krzyzewski's farewell tour. There are some people on this outlet that are smarter than I am. But what happened on Saturday, Carolina proved me wrong. They proved me wrong. I've said on this platform, I did not think they were a tournament caliber team. I'm sorry, Tar Heel fans. I was wrong about your team. And what they did at Cameron Indoor Stadium is what a big-time team does. And they've played some big-time basketball. The fact is, though, for Duke to lose that game, mind shattering. And then the post-game speech from Mike Shoshewski. That is wild of all the ways that this could have turned. Saturday was the last scenario that I was thinking of going in. And because of it, it had Syracuse, Georgetown, Manly Field Houses closed. Type vibes for me. Mike Shoshesky, your call. time, your time at Cameron Indoor Stadium is up. And the Tar Heels sent you off the floor is that why
0: you got the Georgetown shirt on right now is that what you got the Patrick Ewing shirt on right now you
1: bet your ass it's why I got the Patrick-
2: <laughs> <laughs> no it told me a lot I was starting to creep over back towards the Carolina is the second best team in the conference type of deal because they had been playing better and I didn't think it would happen but I think we also realized that hey there was so much stress on these guys The the players just did not react the way they needed to. I mean, you know, here's the crazy part. They just, they didn't play terrible offensively. I think the stress, I think Carolina just being able to score it at a high level, to shoot the ball at a high level, they got to the free throw line 22 times. That tells you all you need to know about their stress level. They were almost playing too hard because they were just reaching foul and playing too physical. They're at home. There's a lot going on. It uh, when's the last time you heard of an away team going into Cameron Indoor and getting 22 free throws. It doesn't happen that often, but I will say this coach K at the end of, end of the game, it, it it reminded me of when he, when he, when he came out and he said something along the lines of this was not acceptable. And it was just that, 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 that the bass in his voice, when they tried to get him off, when they tried to get him off the floor, he was like, no, this is impromptu. He was, that was it. And it reminded me so much of like at Thanksgiving dinner, whenever you're sitting around the table and your grandmother is kind of ruling the house and then grandpa's finally had enough, he's ready to eat. And he shuts everybody up because he still got it. He still got it. I'm not sure how much there is left, but Coach K still got that competitive juice. So I, I think one, this was a tremendous wake up call for his team. They are going to run through the ACC tournament. I have full confidence that 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 is going to happen because this happened, Duke led for the entire game until what, the last eight minutes, nine minutes? I mean, it's a team that has the capability to win the national championship. It might've been the perfect wake-up call, but it was also Carolina coming in there with nothing to lose, everything to play for, and they played with nothing but joy and aggression. And they attacked the rim at a high rate against a Duke team that at home, it's hard to do that against. So big time win by Carolina. I think it moved them up two seeds in the NCAA tournament. I think it was that significant.
0: Wow. Yeah. I mean, the the big thing is is we we saw what North Carolina's ceiling could be, right? How good they can be when they play their best. And and look, frankly, we've been waiting to see this for what? Three, four months, right? And it's not mm-hmm. like they don't have talent on that roster. They have talent on that roster. It's whether or not, These guys are going to play together, whether or not they're going to be engaged, whether or not they're going to seem like they actually like each other on the floor. And they did. And and look, we got to give credit to Hubert Davis because we killed that dude on this show. We've killed him on the field of 68 after dark. I've I've said that uh, I don't know how well he's dealing with this this group of players. And uh, like you said, CEO, they're probably the second best team in the ACC. They're probably going to end up being on that like eight, nine seed line uh, on selection Sunday. They just won at Duke in the last game that Coach K is ever going to coach in Cameron Indoor Stadium, and Hubert Davis, man, good job. <laughs> good job. I take yeah. it all back. But I just want to say, objectively, right, because I'm not one of these guys that's like a Coach K hater or a Duke hater. I I, I, I don't mind them. I, I don't love them. I, I think I think they're good for the sport. They're good for the brand. They're good for yeah. whatever. That was objectively – The funniest way that that game could have been played out from start until finish, beginning with the fact that it had to begin on ESPN news because Kansas (laughs) and Texas went to overtime in a game that was tied at like 51 at the end of regulation. So you have an ugly close game in the Big yeah. 12 with Kansas and another Bluewood go to overtime. So they can't even put Coach K's final game in Cameron Indoor stadium. All the pomp and circumstance and Christian Leitner's here and Grant Hill's here and Jay Williams is here and they got to put it in a double box on the screen because the game is running long. <laughs> that was hilarious.
2: Then you know, ESPN was full panic.
0: Yeah, panic. And the, 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 the My favorite part is they started it on ESPN news and then they put it on ESPN two and bumped Iowa state to ESPN news because they're like, man, we can't, we can't have this on ESPN news. Nobody gets ESPN news. What are we doing here? Unbelievable. So funny. And then uh, they, they went out and they lost the game, right? We, we, we spent how long talking about how big this game was going to be. We people spent like literally hundreds of thousands of dollars on tickets to go to this game. There were tickets on, on vivid seats for over $100,000 for this game. If you're sitting courtside, like Kyler Murray was there. Jerry Seinfeld was there. Adam Silver was there. 96 Duke alums were there. So many famous people were there to watch Duke lose, which is just objectively, even if you're a Duke fan, you got to acknowledge that that's pretty funny. And the last thing, and, and I want you both of you guys to take on this. To me, this was the risk that Coach K, th- th- this was the, the embodiment of the risk that Coach K took by making this season be his farewell tour, right? You made it all about Coach K and not about Duke, not about this team, not about these players, not about that specific game. The only, they, they had literally nothing to play for. The only benefit of winning was not having to say that you lost Coach K's last game, which is like, okay, I get it, but then you're playing not to lose. North Carolina was playing for the tournament lives. Duke didn't have a, a one seat on the line. They probably weren't going to get it, win or lose this game. They didn't have an ACC regular season title on the line. They already clinched that when North Carolina or when Notre Dame lost to Florida State. They had nothing to play for but to not lose. And there, you can only play so hard. And, and when you have that many people in, in the audience, that much attention on it, like it became a thing where it just it, it was the moment as opposed to the game. And when you're asking 19 year old kids to be able to handle that moment, Tio Fanta, like that's not that's tough. That's a big ask. It is a
1: big ask. And that is my concern with Duke in the NCAA tournament. Because when you're in this predicament of being the biggest show in the world, when you walk into an NCAA tournament venue, you're going to have media mob coverage like you've never seen before. I mean, there'll be international journalists that are following this team. And it's a lot for an 18 to 22-year-old to do. That's a lot to undertake. The NCAA tournament is such a different monster. And Duke is one of the biggest of the monsters in terms of media coverage. Now you add in the fact that it's Coach K's final tour and the camera crews, the videography being done, the photography, all this stuff is a lot for these kids to handle. It's a lot on their shoulders. And you know that whoever they're lining up against after the first round matchup, out for blood, out to pull off the shocker and end Coach K's run. And I think that this Duke team, on the offensive end of the floor, I get concerned with their rhythm at times. I really do. And that's my concern in the tournament as well. Between the way that that I saw them play and the way I saw them close in that Carolina game, the way I've seen them close in some other games, the loss at home to Virginia, the loss to Ohio State when they were in control, and they went in a scoring drought in that game. When you combine that, and I think point guard play is the key to all this and what happens with this team, when you combine that with all the emotion, I don't think that there will be anything like Saturday for Duke because it was at Cameron Indoor. But I do wonder if that was a precursor to an earlier exit than, you know, if this Duke team has the hopes of making a Final Four. I think that they could get to the second weekend and stumble in the Sweet 16, but they better be careful in the second round. So I'm worried about this team and their prospects of making a Final Four for the above reasons. And I'm curious, T.O., what you see in this Duke team, because I don't know about you. I've never questioned their ability to protect the rim, but at times on the offensive end of the floor, they fall into some droughts. That then defines the way they end up defending.
2: Yeah, there's something to be said there. And Palo Bancaro was 10 of 21. Like, if he's up there above 50%, I think that's his sweet spot. If he's up above 50%, I think that team, that team is different. But it's like, guys, we're talking seriously small margins here. Carolina got hot. They hit, hit 19 free throws. and they Duke was too fired up. When it comes to tournament play, I think point guard play is a factor. I don't think it's the factor with them. The factor is I think it's going to be – is their go-to score going to be good enough to carry them? Mm. Because I think there's enough guys that bring it up. And it's not like Duke runs a ton of stuff. They get it to their best players and they let them rock. So I think it's going to come down to how good can a true freshman be at the end of games against some of these Big Ten teams, against some of the – like a Kansas, for example, in that second weekend. Is their best player going to be as good as advertised and be the number one pick in the draft? and score 30 because he's going to have to carry them a game or two, just like anybody else uh, who has high level talent is going to need their best player to be the best player. And I think it's going to come down to that more than anything.
0: Yeah. I, I, I agree with all that. I just, to me, it, it's not going to be a talent issue, right? No, it, it's not going to be a talent issue. It's going to be uh, how to matchups. Do you play like, it's going to be the typical March stuff, matchups do you play well, et cetera. And how well, do these 19 and 20 year old kids handle the amount of pressure and the amount of scrutiny and the amount of attention that they are going to end up getting? I know you get it when you go to do this. This is what they signed up for. They knew what they mm-hmm. were getting when they walked in the door, knowing what you're getting and actually experiencing it are two very, very different things. So, um, yes, yeah. let's move on. Let's move on. Let's talk a little bit about March because we have I I, I I am so fired up. For this month, I am so fired up for I'm just conference so fired
2: up and
0: I am jack And I also want to make a quick <laughs> announcement to make sure everybody that listens to the show also knows that we are going to be at Madison Square Garden Thursday night, live from the building in the floor, <laughs> a midnight live show on After Dark. Same thing Friday night after the Big East tournament semifinals, and then live from Barclays on that Saturday, and I believe we're going at uh, midnight again. Um, after the ACC tournament title game, so we get to hit all of Fanta's Big East guys. We get to hit all of To's ACC guys. We are good to go. Now we hold got you on that's a second. covered.
1: Now, now hold on a second. I gotta ask about the the Thursday night because you can confirm nor, or deny. Jeffrey Goodman is going to be on the Thursday night show. He's gracing us with his presence.
0: He is going to the Big East tournament allegedly. There is an 85 to 90% chance Uh-oh. that he ducks us when we oh. try to go live on the show because this is what he does. Jeff Goodman is the kind of guy that promises he's going to do something and then bails last minute. That's just that's wow. who he is, guys. I don't want to set you guys up for anything other than, uh, the, than the failure of Jeff Goodman to come through. That's the story of his life. Actually, I'm just kidding. That's getting, getting
1: credentialed. Getting <laughs> credentialed. Jeff, your credit card's safe with the Big East. You can sit in section 216 if you'd like.
0: Uh, it's better than having him next to me on press presser. I'll tell you that much. All right.
1: As long as he's there for that Providence high noon game, that's all we need to see. I will. Oh, I will so be excited. there for the
0: Providence oh, high I'm so
2: noon.
1: I will be
0: there. I was telling someone this the other day. Um, I, I think that that Providence, if, if that ends up being Providence Xavier, I think that could end up being one of the most entertaining games of the tournament because, it's not often that you're going to have a, a, a full building for the noon tips on a Thursday Ooh. at the Big East tournament. And I do think that that's going to be a full building. I think that you're going to get everybody from the city of Providence making their way for that game. Uh, Xavier travels better than I think people realize. And that is a game between two teams that, at least on paper, are top 25 teams in the country.
1: Yeah. yeah, Xavier's Xavier's
0: Xavier's playing for their tournament lives. They're going yeah. to be doing it in a – I don't know if Madison Square Garden will be full because 19,000 is a lot of people to put in seats for a yeah. new tip off game uh, for two schools that are like, let's face it. They're not the size of like the University of Michigan, right? Providence and right. Uh, Xavier are not that big, but I think we're going to have a good 12 to 14,000 people there. And when it's a neutral site setting, and you get that many people there in a building like Madison Square Garden. It will be loud. It will be fun. It will be exciting. I will be fired up.
1: Will it be full for the 930 game that night?
0: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, UConn's playing a home game. Co, <laughs> did you know this? Co, Fanta knows this, but did you know that UConn actually has three home gyms?
2: Yeah, yeah. was well, is it—the XL, Gamble, and Madison Square, right?
0: XL, Gamble, and Madison Square Garden. Yes,
2: exactly. So you know, I, yeah, at like, least we'll, we'll get is- to we'll get to sit closer than this I did is- at Gamble. <laughs> you can put me up there in the nosebleed
0: section. I'm not. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make you say what you told me was told to you when you were at uh at the Yukon gym. But just know, oh I know, I know it was said to To. Yo. I know. Oh my. <laughs> Listen. Let's talk about what was happening in March this uh this come upcoming season. So I have six questions that I'm going to throw at you guys. I'm going to put you on a spot. I'm going to force you to answer each of these six questions. We're going to debate it. We're going to talk it through. Uh, it's kind of like a game of state your take. Are you guys ready for this? Yes. Fanta, Let's do it. We're going to you first. Yep. Who is the coach with the most to prove this month? Not just NCAA tournament, it could be Big East tournament, uh, conference tournaments as well.
1: Matt Painter. And there's no question about it. He has an extremely talented team. He has a terrific one two punch it in his front line with Zach Eadie and Travion Williams. He has an NBA draft lottery pick in Jade Noddy if the Purdue Boilermakers have an early X in the NCAA tournament, that would be really, really brutal because this team is too talented, in my opinion, to have that early exit, And I think that that could happen. So here's the thing. Matt Painter is one of the most well-liked coaches in the sport of college basketball. He's a great guy. He's a great offensive schemer. He's as good of an offensive design man in the sport as you're going to find. That being said, This is a team that's capable of making a deep run. A team also that was exposed at times as Big Ten play went on. So, for the Purdue Boilermakers, who didn't come out on top in the Big Ten, this is a time for them to package it together in the Big Ten tournament, the NCAA tournament. You can't fall flat. So, that's why my vote is paint. Because I think he does have a lot to prove in this month.
2: Uh, I'm going to go – I have two that I'm really intrigued to see. One's in the Big East. One's in the SEC. The SEC, Eric Musselman. Reason being, are they going to be able to win these massive games away from home? If you look at their record and if you look at their home game or their away games, lost at Tennessee, won at Florida, eh, it's okay. Lost at Alabama. And then all their major wins are at home, guys. They won at LSU. That's that's the one I'll give them credit for. I think moving forward, if Arkansas is going to be as good as what a lot of people think they are, they're going to have to win away from home. That neutral site setting, which is basically Kentucky light. I don't know if you guys ever been to the SEC tournament, but like it turns into the Kentucky Invitational. It's going to be interesting to see uh, Arkansas. I'm, I'm I'm anxious to see how their team reacts. The other one, uh, Xavier. Guys and Travis Steele, that team. What are they? Seven and 13, 7 and twelve, and they're like they 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 started out great. Everybody was excited. They had the Nungey, they had Fremantle, they had Paul Scruggs, who's like all gas no breaks, and they they've fallen flat to the tune of eighth in the Big East. Well, uh, are, are we nervous? Are we are we as good as advertised? Because at the beginning of the season we looked really really good. Now they're falling off the map a little bit. You play. You have to win over Butler possible. You, then you play a Providence team that you've mat, you match up pretty well with. And it's going to be interesting to see that game is going to be huge. Is Xavier, too? I, I, I don't know the bubble situation, guys. I just know that I was really excited about Xavier at the beginning of the season. And now I, I don't know what the issue is right now. I know they're struggling. And they were really excited to watch the beginning of the season. So Musselman and Travis Steele. The bottom line for Xavier is they cannot
0: lose to Butler. They mm-hmm. cannot do it. Um, you stole mine though, Fanta, with the uh the Matt Painter call. Um, wow. Yeah, you stole that was that was uh intuitive. They say great minds think alike, so I don't know what's yeah. going on with yours because I definitively do not have a great mind. Um, so you know who I'm gonna go with, guys? I'm gonna go with Penny Hardaway. Uh, I think that Memphis, when you line up, I was listening to After Dark last night when Arch was on, and he was saying if you line up Memphis against anybody that they're going to end up playing in the AAC tournament in the first round of the NCAA tournament, how many times are you going to say, okay, point guard to point guard, who has the better player, shooting guard to shooting guard, who has the better player. And you line them up like that. How many teams is Memphis not going to have the advantage at most of the positions and most of the spots on the floor, right? Not many. This, this is the year they've, they've been a different team since they lost the Monty Bates, right? I think they've now won 10 of their last 11 games. They've swept Houston, and I know Houston is not what they were before they had the injuries, but they've swept Houston. So are you going to be able to get it done? Are you going to make sure that you get a bid to the tournament if you're Penny Hardaway? If you get to the tournament, are you going to go out there and have at least a chance to win a game? You're probably going to end up getting a six seed, maybe a five seed, depending on the way things shake out. I think that he's got something to prove because he had something to prove. Like, he came into this season with something to prove. So, all all right, next up the conference tournament that you are the most excited to watch. T.O. going to you first on this one.
2: Big East. That league has been from top to bottom. I'm not sure there's a Final Four team in the gambit. I really don't know, except for maybe Villanova, if they get extremely hot from the perimeter. But from top to bottom, besides, I'll tell you what, one through 10, any team can beat anybody. And I don't care about Fantas t-shirt. I don't think Georgetown can beat anybody. But one through 10, that's going to be a fantastic tournament all weekend long. I'm going to go to so I'm going to go to Brooklyn on Wednesday and I'll be with you guys Thursday and Friday. And then we'll be back in Brooklyn Saturday, correct? So as soon as yeah. I land, I think I'm going to head over to Brooklyn. But it's going to be uh, it's going to be a great tournament through and through. I, I'm just so excited about that one. Uh the four-five matchup is going to be awesome. Creighton Marquette. I'm interested to see how the, this shock of magic uh, continues to carry through. I think that's going to be fun.
0: Fancho, let me ask you a question. Let's say that Bet Rivers laid odds on the chances that T.O. can figure out how to get from Newark Airport yeah. to the Barclays Center. <laughs> what,
1: uh, we're we're going to say
0: you get, you get even money, one-to-one odds. What do you take? Yeah. Will T.O. make it to the Barclays Center without getting lost?
1: T.O., take a car. Yeah, take a car. Car service, baby. Car no, service.
2: I'm taking a subway.
1: Oh, what are we God. talking about? Oh, God Almighty! No, you could not give me an. You couldn't give me odds on that site. I mean, I'd be betting. No, no way. My first time on the subway to Brooklyn. Going to Brooklyn's like going to a different country from Midtown. Yeah. It's just it's a totally different zone. No shot.
2: Are we taking bets? Is this what we're doing?
1: T-O, Is this what we're doing? We might, we might have to. T.O., you going, you getting to Brooklyn in time and in safe fashion would be more of an upset than UNBC.
2: First of all, I don't know whether to be offended or a little bit like, like but I'm ready to go, okay? Cowboys take on the city. I'm going <laughs> in. We're going to be ready to go. I might go I might t- go down on the subway on horseback. There's been crazier things. I'm, I'm telling you, not- I'll make it. I'll make it. We ought to get you one of those vlogging cameras so you can walk around like this and be
0: like, do y'all know how to get to Barclays from here? Yeah. Guess yeah. what?
1: The vlogging <laughs> camera won't make it to Barclays. Yeah.
2: I guarantee you it'll make it to Barclays. Oh, I guarantee man. you I'll make it to Barclays. All right. All right. Phantom, what sort of <laughs> are you looking forward to the most?
1: Well, for the sake of being different, I'll go with the Southeastern Conference because of the potential of Kentucky and Auburn in that championship game. And the fact that if you look at the potential semifinals on Saturday afternoon, you could have Auburn and Arkansas. Are you kidding me? And you could have Tennessee and Kentucky speaks for itself. That place, the moonshine will be flowing at the sec tournament and I just look at the quality of the league. The SEC does have multiple Final Four candidates. And if we get Auburn and Kentucky on Selection Sunday, that is gold, man. That is a big time way to start Selection Sunday. I'm rooting for that matchup. And uh, I hope that we get it because I love, I think both Auburn or Kentucky can win a national championship. So I'll go with the SEC because of the later round matchups it could deliver.
2: Can we talk about how weird it is that the SEC is in Tampa? Like, is that not a weird spot? It doesn't is really it hit true? the footprint.
0: Oh, it, it's weird. Yeah. It,
1: yeah. It's, 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 it's almost doesn't...
2: as weird as the ACC being in Brooklyn. Yeah, under-
1: I, have, I have one Tampa story.
2: All okay?
0: right. Oh boy.
1: This is Tampa. <laughs> so... <laughs> This is now like six, seven years ago. I go down for student radio at the time with Seton Hall to call Seton Hall at South Florida, okay? I think Kevin Willard was doing one of the Antigua brothers a favor by flying down there for a game. All right, so uh, the Pirates are playing at USF. There's no one in the building. Seton Hall beats USF by like 30. So the game wraps up, and and, uh, it was still fairly early, So I went to the hotel desk. You see college me, wide-eyed, you know, done with my little radio broadcast. I go up to the front desk. I go, hi. I go, is there a place around here that you would say the locals like to frequent? Now, we're in Tampa. And she goes, hmm. I'm going to tell you, honey, the Hooters is really good. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> that's the spot
2: that's the that spot the huh? hooters
1: well in honor of dick vitale i went to hooters that night
2: did you <laughs> Had yes, a great time
1: i did i probably wouldn't get away with going now having another half but mm-hmm. on that night the wings tasted extra special
2: <laughs> did, did you? <laughs> they need, did.
0: If, if you went in an honor of pep of uh of dick vitale did you have your pepto bismol with you
2: <laughs> yes, yes. you need we it after going to Hooters
1: me. we love you Dickie V
0: oh man um, so mine mine is the the Big East just because I grew up on the Big East I grew up on UConn in the Big East my first memory as a basketball fan is Ray you like Allen UConn? is Ray Allen against uh Allen Iverson in the Big East title game in 1996 and the way that that thing ended um, I have very vivid memories of uh, having to negotiate with my dad to be able to stay up later to watch the end of that. I don't (laughs) think it ended until like 1130. I was 10 years old. So um, it's the the, being in Madison square garden again, with it packed Big East fans, UConn there a reason to be there beyond just getting paid for it. So um, yeah, I'm I'm fired up for the big East. Uh, I also think that the big 10 tournament is going to be just utterly insane. Right. There are so many, there's so many teams that are kind of like the equal level and kind of an equal playing field where I would not be surprised if we looked up and the final was like, Iowa against Rutgers or something like that. Some something completely random off the rails that that doesn't really make sense for how this thing played out. So, I think the big ten is going to be uh thoroughly thoroughly John Fantado Hooters intoxicated by the time we get to, to Sunday afternoon. All right. Here's one for you guys. I okay, I have a
2: South Florida story. I have a South Florida. So, whenever I was on staff, so whenever I was on staff at Clemson, we went to go play Miami. And I'm not going to say this young man's name because I'm not going to throw him out of the bus or like that. But you know, the managers, whenever you get out, you ever get out on the road, the managers they'll play like a manager game. And then they'll go out, and they don't just kind of go out like they go hard. They were staying. Clemson was staying at the. We were staying at the Ritz Carlton Coral Gables. I get a call at four in the morning because I'm back at the room, and he's, Hey, Tio, I was like, Yeah, what's up? He goes, We're staying at the. uh Ritz Carlton on South Beach, right? I said, no. Oh, Coral Gables, he goes, oh, shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he got to do the wrong Ritz. And uh, he had spent all his money on uh, various dancers. So he could not get back to the hotel where we were at. That's a true story. <laughs> and I'm so happy I went to sleep. What did, what did he do? The, the, the Uber driver was nice enough to take him. Because he didn't have any more money left on his card that his parents gave
1: him. How about this? That
2: his parent gave him, huh?
1: That First off, that's a great story. Yeah. Great story. You know, podcasting sometimes takes you down random avenues. Dowser's probably going to kill me. But yeah. <laughs> I just, I'm just reading here. I'm just reading here that the, the Atlanta Falcons wide receiver Calvin Ridley just got suspended for all of next year because he bet on
2: games. On football games? Wow. Whoops. Yeah, you can't do it on your own sport. Right. Whoops. Let's call let's
1: call a spade a spade too. Uh I this is just the start of this type of stuff.
2: Oh, no doubt.
1: That. I worry about that with, with college athletes. I ex I really do. I really do. I mean, that's a genuine, genuine thought. Some people might roll their eyes at me for saying that, but I do. I mean, I you know, I hope I hope because I'm a younger guy. It's so popular and obviously we're sponsored by bet rivers bet responsibly but i hope kids you know i hope that doesn't pervade so much that it causes harm for anybody
0: yeah well i mean look if you were if kids were going to bet on their own sport like they would they they could do it very easily without having to worry about downloading the bet rivers app i do think that the more regulated it is and um the more that this stuff is tracked the less likely you're going to see to have games thrown Right. I think okay. the bigger concern is uh, you know, it's because if a kid bets hundred dollars on himself to win a game, right? Like what you, you shouldn't don't do it if you're playing in that game. But like if you're betting on you're not gonna bet on yourself to lose, try to win hundred bucks or whatever, right? Yeah. I think that it will allow you to see the variations if uh, let's say a hundred and fifty thousand dollars comes in on this random game in the whack, right? Yeah. Or a random game in the NAC NEC. And you could say, okay, so why did we have this much money coming on this game? And you go and watch it. And there's something irregular that happens in the game. I think it'll be easier to identify stuff like that. And it will root out situations where um, people are throwing games. I don't think that we're going to see that. I think with the more regulation and the more people that are paying attention in the market and the more companies that have uh, significant amounts of money at play for situations like that, it's going to be less likely to see something like that happen. So I think in, in that sense, It's a good thing because, I mean, think about it, man. College basketball is where you were the most susceptible to having money come in to throw games. It's 358 teams. Not all of those teams are going to be having guys that that have a significant amount of money in their pocket, you know? So, yeah. um,
2: When I was playing in Sweden, sorry, last one. I promise, last one. But when I was playing in Sweden, uh, I I switched teams in the middle of the season because they had to free up, the, the team I was with had to free up some space to sign a big. So I switched teams. The team I switched to was—they weren't very good. It was like they were like zero and twenty-four. I go to the team because it's I wanted to stay in shape and keep playing. You. Yeah, it's well, i sh- well, well, hold on, let me finish. We win the next two, so Ooh. we go from oh, they go from zero and twenty-five. I go thirty for first two games. We win the next two, so the next game, that third game coming up, there was like, <laughs> there was like an asinine amount of money bet on our game for us to lose but the bet came from like the philippines and it was like a million dollars come to find out like what was it like like a small swedish league game was like it was an insane amount of money what? Come to find, yeah come to find out one of the, the two of the referees got suspended for three years or something like that for gambling on games it happens mm-hmm. it happens so now, wait a yeah, minute. This, this was, I, I swear.
1: I'm more amazed by you got added to an Owen <laughs> yeah. and 24 team. <laughs> yeah, they win back to back game going for 30. That yeah, is the biggest games. boss move I've ever heard of.
2: It, it, it. Well, I I hate to even say this, but everywhere I went, like because what ended up happening at the end of every season.
1: There he goes,
2: was, Rob. Yeah, here here we go. So here's here's story time with T.O like I went and I would improve the team. So over the last 12 games that I was with the team, we went six and six, same thing happened two years later. I signed with a team that was 0 and 20. And then it was like midway through the season. They finish, we finished nine and seven the rest of the year in France or something. You're but winning. the problem was at the end of the year, they're like, well, this team was terrible. Look at him. Well, nobody looked further in. I had a hard time getting jobs. So like, it ended up hurting me, but I, I every time I went to, I helped now, the Swedish team that was 0-25, they had pieces. They just didn't have a score. So it was like, oh, I helped. A score. Right. Yeah, they needed a score. But I, well, what, what was else winning? was I going to do? Fancy, you think i pass? No. no, sir. Not me, sir.
1: What's your all-time winning percentage?
2: Probably horrible because I signed with these <laughs> terrible teams.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Tio walks into the practice and he's like, yep, these shots aren't going to shoot themselves, fellas. I got them <laughs> <back> <laughs> That's <here."> right.
2: <laughs> I, got, I I signed with my last year playing. Uh, I was talking to the starting point guard of the team I was about to sign with and I signed like a temporary deal or something like that because they didn't have a ton of money, but they were going to let me come over and play with them, stay in shape to where I could go sign in Spain or something. He's like, well, how are are you in shape? I was like, dude, I'll get 20 going off the plane." And they were down like five or six players. They were hurt. I ended up going like eight for 24 from the field, but I got 20. (laughs) <laughs> and that was the first. Thing, that was the first thing the guy said to me in the locker room. He was like, "He's like, well, you did get twenty off the plane." I said, "You bet your ass I did, Pierre." <laughs> All right, sorry. We need to get back to the show. To get, is is to
0: story time with Tio over? Are we? Are we done? It's over. I, it's I have over. more,
2: but but yeah, there you go.
0: We'll we'll get Not more exactly. later. All right, Tia uh, Fanta, I'm going to you on this one. Fanta. The team that will pull a Georgetown, come out of nowhere and shock the world in championship week. Is Um, Oregon State going back-to-back in the (laughs) (laughs) Pac-12?
1: No. No. Um, Great question. The the team that I still, I think, could make a run in their tournament that might be a surprise to some is Washington State in the Pac-12.
2: Yeah. Yep. Good call.
1: So they are a team that's played a lot of close games this season, but very talented. And uh, I I think that defensively, they have things down pretty well, well enough. And I think that they can cause some matchup problems for other teams in a conference tournament setting. The Pac-12 is always wild, as we've discussed on this pod. So I'll go out West and I will go with the Cougars.
2: I want to hear yours, Doster.
0: So I think that TCU has a very real chance to get to the finals of the Big 12 tournament and yeah, potentially win it.
1: Good pick. Uh,
0: so they are the five seed, right? They get Texas in the quarterfinals. That's a Texas good, beatable team, especially for someone with as much talent as TCU has. Mike Mike Miles, that's a dude. T.O., you know, that's a dude. Uh, they dude. got Emmanuel Miller, the kid from Texas A&M. He's good. He's Michael good Peavy is a former fo- uh, former four star prospect transfer out of Texas Tech. He's good. They got the big Lumpkin kid, right? That leads the, the big nation Lumpkin. Op- the big Lumpkin kid that leads the nation in offensive rebounding percentage. That is a good basketball team. And if they get past Texas, in all likelihood, they're going to end up playing Kansas in the semifinals. They played Kansas twice last week. They won one of those games. They yeah. almost won at Allen Fieldhouse. TCU, that's the sleeper. If you're if you're a betting man and you want to go on to bet rivers and you want to lay a little bit of money down, you can get them at twelve to one odds right now. Go do it. I'm telling you,
1: love that. Great pick.
2: I got one for you, and I'm not sure how much you guys agree with this, but uh, in the SEC, Texas A&M ended up going 500 and they won 20 games, and nobody's talking about Buzz Williams. And they're going to play Florida in round one. They're going to play Auburn with point guard problems. And in de- round two, and if I'm going to give it to a coach that's going to figure something out to, to give you matchup issues, I think both could do that. And then, guys, you're going to call me a homer. Clemson's oh, uh, tournament setup, I'm telling you, but, but hear me out. Hear me out. They lost seven in a row, dead middle of the season. They've now won four in a row. So it's a lot of ebbs and flows, a lot of ebbs. But the flows <laughs> are going right now, so it's four. They've won four in a row. They open What's up with NC hat? State.
1: What's his
2: NC huh? State? Okay. NC State on the 1015. W the next W, the next day they play Virginia Tech, which they just beat. They just beat them. After that, they play Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's beating them pretty bad. But Notre Dame, I, I just I don't trust them. And okay. then after that, so I, I think the path is favorable for okay. if, if it's about as favorable as a 10 seed could get, if I'm Clemson moving forward. So Clemson could do it. So wow. the, there's my two, A&M and Clemson.
1: I think the ACC is going to have something weird happen because the league's just been so random all year. I really uh, don't.
2: I think Duke is going to win
0: every game by 25. I think that after going through what they've gone through the last three days in practice, getting to Brooklyn and playing a game is going to be the single biggest relief that any of those people have ever had in their entire lives. I promise you Sunday was – one of the worst experiences of those two players lives after losing that game. So yeah. uh, I, I think they win every game by 25. Uh, all right. Fanta, this one comes directly from you. So I'm going to go to you first on this one. Again, the player that will win over the nation in the NCAA tournament is
1: Hunter Maldonado of Wyoming. I like I it. really, like, I I like really it like this kid. I like this kid. He is a, a multiple level scorer. He's someone who I think makes his teammates better. and I could see him playing a big role in an early NCA tournament win that just lights everybody up. So i I love this time of year. I also love the fact that I love picking a player who's really talented and people who cover the sport know he is, but America doesn't know a lot about him. When you watch Hunter Maldonado play, you will see what we have all been talking about throughout the season. I love how good of a kid he is. So I would go with Hunter Maldonado. And I'd also say, you know, that that an all-American caliber talent, that America isn't as well versed on because they don't get to watch all of his games. This is a no-brainer. David Roddy's right there, too. You know, he – did I take another from you? Yeah,
0: that's why you're only supposed to have one. Sorry. You believe
1: this guy? Come on. Go ahead. Say
0: your piece, about <laughs> say your piece I love of
2: – I love how sincere Fanta is, too, when he apologizes. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm so sorry.
1: <laughs> I'm so sorry. Although I'm not so sure. I'm a little concerned now that I have all but same things as Rob, because that could go south for me, too. Uh, But those are the yep. two that I – uh, well let, let, here's the thing so i'll up rob on this why should america be ready to enjoy david Roddy?
0: he's the most versatile player in college basketball he is a six foot four 270 pound bowling ball that can play the point guard that could play the center that can do everything in between that can make threes that will windmill on your head and that Woo! is a huge like i'll i'll say it. he's he's kind of a dorky guy like and he's, a, he's a good interview he's a good yeah, interview, he's a, which helps yeah. He's a great interview. He's he's a kid that uh, if you if you I think Colorado State is good enough to be able to make a run to the sweet 16. They're going to have to guard. But between David Roddy and Isaiah Stevens, they have the weapons to be able to give a lot of teams a lot of problems in the first weekend of the tournament. If they get to the second weekend and we get some camera time for David Roddy, he is going to be that kid that just the, the nation gravitates to sweet kid. Great interview. Kind of dorky incredibly good at basketball to me. I just hope that I hope he gets that chance. I want to see it happen. Can I give you guys one more? And I hope I don't yes. steal yours. Tio. You're Jamari Bouye from San Francisco. Um, I think the Dons are regardless of whether or not they beat Sam uh, beacon Zaga tonight. I think the Dons are probably going to get in. They're probably going to be on like a 10 seed line, which means they're going to have a chance to win game one uh, of their NCAA tournament. Jamari Bouye is a very, very good point guard. We talk about point guard play Tio. Hit the buzzer, bang. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is a very, very good point guard. He's going to cause problems for anyone he plays. And he's the kind of kid where, uh, on the road at BYU this year, uh, those 15,000 Utah uh, U- Utah natives were not very kind to Jamari, Jamari Bouye when he was playing there on the road. Uh, they played BYU in the quarterfinals of the WCC tournament. They were up by, like, 17 at the end of the game. And he's coming down the floor and he has a chance to dribble the clock out or slow down and wait for a BYU player to catch up so we can dunk on him. You know what he did? Badass. He slowed down. He waited for the BYU player to catch up to him. He dunked on him. He ran his mouth. He did the head pat. He got a technical foul for doing it. And then he got a slap on the ass from head coach Todd Golden for doing that. A little bit of revenge. Uh, I don't think those BYU fans were too kind to Jamari when he was on the road there, but those are the kind of dudes you want in March, and, and the guys that are willing to, uh, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with a little bit of a "fuck you" dunk at the end of a game. That's just my mind, and the way that I see it. So, uh, To, give me your player.
2: Uh, I got well two. Pot, well, I guess it's kind of cheating because it depends on who wins in the SOCOM, because that's going to be a one big league. But um, I'm going to start out with Davidson's Yunjung Lee. Nice. The dude can nice. the dude can score it six seven two ten. Uh, Bob McKillop gets him open. He can shoot the ball. He's got good size. He's a little bit unorthodox. Really, really good player. And uh, Davidson has the ability to take off and win a game or two. And it might be in spectacular fashion. And they knock down their free throws, which helps things. So if they get in, Davidson could make a run. And then, so Jung Lee, excuse me, that's number one. Number two slash three, whoever wins this (laughs) SOCOM finals, uh, Malachi Smith for Chattanooga is a bucket. He is not just kind of a bucket. He is a bucket, however you want me to get a bucket kind of bucket. Uh, he, he he can do it with the ball in his hands. He can do it from the mid-range. He can do it off the catch. When guys attack closeouts, he can make it happen. And then for Furman, uh, they've got a young man named Jalen Slawson I've talked about him, I feel like, all year, but – Man, he has just got pro potential. He plays the five at Furman. He's probably a two through four uh, at the professional level because he's so versatile. He's 6'8", six, 6'9", six, can really guard. He's a SoCon defensive player of the year. He led the league in steals, and he switches everything. And not only that, he's one of the best passers, uh, one of the best passers in the Southern Conference, and he's physically going to be able to match up with whoever they play. So there's my three.
0: <laughs> I like home like, give me the one guy. Fanta goes yeah. with two, steals my player, and then T.O. goes with three. <laughs> yep. You see what I now, now the listeners to the DTL. We watch too much. What, we watch too much. See what I'm dealing with. All right. Uh, T.O., give me the one matchup that uh,
2: that needs to happen in March.
1: Mm.
2: Oh, boy. That needs to happen in March. I, I would, I would really like an Arizona Gonzaga matchup. If I just, just for might the be coaching, able- yeah, yeah, just for the coaching aspect of it, the talent aspect of both teams, like that would be a massive matchup. Tommy Lloyd versus uh, Mark Few would be uh, an incredible storyline. So that one.
1: I don't know if there's one that would affect everybody more in the Northeast, in the Big East, than if. On Saturday night at Madison Square Garden, Mm -hmm. Providence Mm -hmm. meets Connecticut Mm -hmm. for the Big East Championship because there is real bad blood. And the Garden is going to be in fuego if that occurred. So it would require UConn to likely have to beat both Seton Hall and Villanova. Of course, they can. They've done it. Villanova will be out for revenge. But if we get Connecticut-Providence, that is a dream! A dream matchup at the world's most famous arena.
0: That it may burn the entire building down. I, I don't know if Madison Square Garden will exist after uh, after that happens. So that was one of mine. I got a bunch that I really want to see. I want to see Auburn, Kentucky in the SEC tournament title game because you know that that place is going to be half Kentucky fans, half Auburn fans. Auburn fans travel. It's going to be uh, it, that that would that would be a sick environment. Arizona Gonzaga for, for a national title potentially would be unbelievable. But what I want to see in the national title game, which I think would be the absolute perfect matchup in the dream matchup. And I think that all of Turner's executives would agree with me here. Coach K last game ever chance to win a title in his last game, going up against his arch nemesis and the ultra villain, John Calipari. Can you imagine wow. that? for a national title? Last game that coach K ever plays or ever coaches. That's the dream. That'd be perfect. I don't think you can get much better than that.
1: All right, so that would be, so, a uh, that would be so, wild. That would all right, be we're,
0: wild. We're going to go to the feel-good story of the month here. Then Fanta's going to jump off because he's got a meeting he's got to get to. And T.O. and I will talk a little bit about the postseason awards. So last question that we're going to ask here. T.O., give me your feel-good story for the month of March. W- what, is, what is everybody going to follow oh. this month? Can I give you mine while you guys think about yes. it?
2: Yes. Yeah, do that.
0: Longwood head coach Griff Eldridge. <laughs> we, had him, we had him on last night uh longwood is notoriously one of the single worst programs in all of division one basketball griff Aldruth like he he doesn't he's not a guy that's been a lifer in this he's basically been doing it for like the last couple of years and he did some stuff on wall street i think he was like a, a farm he's an oil, oil guy like an oil guy like he's been on a whole bunch of different stuff um he's been at longwood now for let me make sure i got this right for four years first year he got there uh they were 16 and 18 overall they went five and eleven in the is that the Big South? It's the Big South, right? Yeah. Big South. So yeah. four years later, Longwood twenty-six and six. They went fifteen and one in league play, and they blew out Winthrop for the Big South Tournament Championship. He's now in the NCAA Tournament. These are the kind of stories that uh, that that happen in March. They're the kind of stories that you only get out of college basketball. These guys coming from like literally nowhere to go out and win. Uh, win league championships, get into the NCAA tournament, and play on the sport's biggest stage. I don't think there's anywhere else um, in in sports, anywhere in the world, where you get stuff like this. Maybe the Olympics a little bit, and sometimes for the FA Cup uh, out in in England for for soccer. But I mean, for the most part, this is this is where you get stories like that. And Griff Aldrich is the perfect example of uh, of one of these. Fanta, give me your feel good story of the month.
1: I think that America could fall in love again with Jim Larinaga. Miami has had a good enough year to hear their name called on Selection Sunday, and when Turner and CBS are doing the tournament coverage, you're going to hear the story. And Vern Lundquist's famous line: "By George, the dream is alive." When George Mason was able to to pull off shocker after shocker uh, in the NCAA tournament, so I think that Jim Larinaga is one of the good guys in the sport. We don't know how much longer Jim Laranaga is going to be coaching. I mean, you know, that's not uh, speculation. It's just the man is – he's an older gentleman. But he's a a good all-around guy, and he's a great coach. And I think that if if he could lead his Hurricanes to a tournament win, I think you'd see some real tears. Because he's been through a lot, it sounds like, with Miami. It sounds like my – you know, he's told the story on our – platform of of what the NCAA stuff did to that program. And if when you come full circle, when you've met the bottom of the barrel or when you've been there and people don't care about your program because you've gone through a bunch of crap and then when you win a tournament game or win a game of major significance this time of year and you get the TV coverage and all that, you know, Jim's been through a lot, but I think that if he could win a game in the in the NCAA tournament, I think he'd remind people why uh, we fell in love with him at George Mason too. So my, my feel-good story is Coach Laraneg. I'm happy for him, and I'm happy for that Miami program. I think uh, they've had a nice bounce back year and a surprising year at that. I did not expect them to be a tournament team, and uh, they're on the track to be so.
2: I've got nothing. I'm not like this ushy-gushy guy when it comes to some of these. Like, everybody goes through some kind of hardship. Well,
1: sometimes it's, it's, so, warm,
2: it's right? so messed You're up. Like, I realize one. how bad that is. I, I I don't really have one because I don't know this stuff. Like, like. I don't read this stuff as much. I probably need to, but I just don't. So, uh, sorry, this is where I'm just, I'm blanking.
0: T.O. is heartless. That's Not heartless. I just don't know.
2: I just don't know. They haven't all come out yet. Dana's going to write a beautiful piece on some kid in the Big East who's just awesome, and I don't know anything about it. It's going to be something. So, I'm sorry, guys. I just don't know yet. (laughs) That fan (laughs) is so upset about this that he's leaving the Zoom.
1: I'm heading out. See, ya. <laughs> See, See you in New York, T.O. Uh, you're buying us pizza for not having it.
2: Yeah, yeah. yeah, there you <laughs> go. All right. It's probably going to start- be better that, uh, than that Connecticut pizza I had. Wow. Unbelievable. <laughs> Amazing, too. All right. Let's yeah. start- we, we
0: announced the field of 68 postseason awards today. Uh, and actually, you and I agreed on on pretty much everything. So um, not man. having a contrarian like John Fanta on here would have been uh, would have been ideal. But uh, Oscar Shibwe, National Player of the Year. Yeah, I think it came for I think for everybody, it basically came down to Johnny Davis or Oscar Sheway. Talk to me mm-hmm. why those two and why you went with Big O.
2: Oh, a Big O, because every time they played a huge game, he ended up with like 30 and 20. Like that was the big thing for me or his like when when do you show up at your best? Like Oscar Shibway, he showed up at his best at Arkansas and ended up with, what was it, 30 and 21 or something like that. Mm -hmm. And then they would play a big game at home. He'd end up with another 30 and 20. Some of the stats that he had this year are just comical, just comical. And he played big-time games with both guards out. Like they were able to center and focus everything around him and without their two best guards, and they still won because he's in there dominating everything within 10 feet. So that's why I thought he was National Player of the Year so much of what
0: Kentucky wants to do on both ends centers around the fact that they know that they have this monster that's going to hoover up every rebound that is within like 12 feet of him. Right. Yeah. They can, they can, they are so good um, against transition defensively. And they make you play in the half court because they only have to send two guys to the offensive glass. Cause they know that yeah. they have the single best offensive rebounder in all the college basketball. Uh, they can get out and run a transition. And I think that coach Kyle has made it an effort to be more, Uh, more of a transition up-tempo team because they don't have to worry about sending all five guys to the defensive glass because you have a monster that's going to go up, go go and get every single rebound that is anywhere near uh, that he Mm -hmm. can get his paws on. So, so much of what they do uh, is a result of his ability to be on the glass. I think that he is the single most important player in college basketball. Um, If he's not on that team, I don't think that they are anywhere near as good as they are right now, mostly because they don't have any other depth, right? Like if he's not playing, Is Damian Collins is he out there? Like, if he's not playing, do you have Lance Ware out there? It's not there's there's not a ton of depth um, in the front court for that Kentucky team. So
2: the only uh, argument I'd have the only argument I'd have for that last part is like Johnny Davis meet probably means more for Wisconsin than Oscar means for Kentucky. Yeah,
0: that would be my only argument.
2: yeah, yeah,
0: and and that's why I have Johnny Davis number two. Um, But the 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 my counter to uh, to that would be. Kentucky I think we all can agree is a top five team in the sport maybe top two top three depending on how you view some things and has a very very real chance to win a national title all uh Wisconsin is more of a team where it's like yeah you know I I can see them being a three or four seed that uh can sneak their way into the final four and to me that 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 level that difference in how good a team is has a lot to do with with just uh with, with where you rank teams when it comes to when he, when he has to matter in these awards, I think, mm-hmm. right. No, certainly does.
2: Certainly does. And, and <laughs> crazy part is, is if Wisconsin does get to the final four, you better build that man a statue. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because that's how good he has been. If that's the case.
0: Yeah. And, and if they make it to the final four and Johnny Davis averages a hundred or uh, averages um, scores, 120 points in those four games to get him there, would you be mm-hmm. surprised?
2: I would no. not be, not in the not least. Not
0: um, all right. Coach of the year. Uh, this, this ended up for our poll ended up being a runaway. So we have uh, 11 people that voted on this, right. Including both the Millers, Steve Prohm, Randolph Childress, you, me, Fanta, Goodman, a whole bunch of people. Uh, mm-hmm. I think everybody had, I think we had eight people vote Ed Cooley for coach of the year, but it really came down to Ed Cooley or Tommy Lloyd. And I think the final tally ended up being like Cooley got, 28 total points and Tommy Lloyd ended up getting 22 total points or something like that. So it was closer than it would, you would, you would think that it was, it was basically one and two. So why Ed Cooley and why did you take him over Tommy Lloyd?
2: Uh, Was there a biggie? Was there an all biggies first team performer on Providence? No, no. Uh, His ability to manipulate games and their record goes without saying. So that, let me just point that out to begin with. Uh, 24-4, 24-4, and four, uh, they don't have a McDonald's All-American on the roster. They're not going to get McDonald's All-American. So you have to piece your roster together with puzzle pieces. And that's part of coaching. A lot of people say, well, uh, is this, can this guy coach? He just recruits. He's just a recruiter. No, that's part of coaching. Uh, and knowing the kind of guy that you're getting is going to be huge moving forward because he was able to put – Noah Horkler around Nate Watson and Jared Bynum in good spots and Al Durham who needed to be a closer for them and Justin Minaya who's their defensive stopper. Like those puzzle pieces fit perfectly on top of the fact that in order for them to win 24 games, I think, what was it, 13 of them within five points? Like that shows a lot of what he's about and and how he can manipulate a game. So that's the reason I went with Ed Cooley uh, over Tommy Lloyd. Tommy Lloyd, whenever he came in, he did add some pieces, but the cupboard wasn't bare that was a big portion of me voting him second. And then uh, I went third with Mark Adams because I think he's he's shocked everybody uh, just because of the kind of guys that he brought in. And then uh, despite not having a guy that uh, is really a go-to scorer on that team, like who's Texas Tech's go-to scorer, you don't really know. And yet here, Texas Tech is competing at the top of the Big 12. So th- th- those were my three with Ed Cooley, obviously being at the top.
0: Yeah, so I was going to go with Tommy Lloyd For the longest time, like I was first year at a program, you win your conference, you're going to get a one seed, you take a team that was outside of the preseason top 25, you turn them into a top two top three team, maybe win a national title like that. That's coach of the year stuff. But, you know, I I remember this was. I can't remember who said this, but I feel like this is just kind of a thing that you hear when you're in basketball circles. Right. If it's a five, if you're in a five point game and you win, uh, it's coaching that wins it. Right coaching wins close games and you go out and you look at what province has done this season. The reason why they are so high on that, like Ken Palm luck rating is because they keep winning co- close games. And Why do they keep winning close games? Part of it is the, the execution of their guys late. Part of it is um, the belief that they have, that they're going to win. Uh, but a huge part of it is they're being set up for success by the coach. staff. they're, they're getting good. Uh, the, the right play calls and the right sets down the stretch. And they have a coach that has developed that level of belief within the program and within the university and within the, uh, the, the team and with every single person on that roster. And to me, that's something that you just cannot overlook. When you win your first ever Big East regular season title, they've been in the league four to three years, first ever Big East regular season title that uh, that, that Ed Cooley just led that Providence team to. You cannot overlook that. So I think more than whatever Tommy Lloyd has done, I think Ed Cooley, you got to give him his flowers this year
2: he's been that yep. 100%. he's 100 they're right. going to back up the, they're going to back up the brinks truck for him too so yeah good for him
0: yeah I, and look i i hope i really hope that he never leaves
2: yeah me too Perfect i really hope fit. that he
0: never leaves like that is he he is providence providence is that coolie never leave man don't go like you don't you don't need to you have nowhere that you need to be that's providence is where you need to be
2: yeah. Is and, and, and the problem with that is, is there, there's so many places that his personality fits. So mm-hmm. there's always going to be, um, whispers or, 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 you know, people talking about Ed Cooley. Uh, I I hope he never leaves either because uh, let's be honest. I mean, that's a, that's a town that, um, loves basketball, like loves basketball. So I, I hope that, uh, he keeps feeding into that and I hope he stays. Like you said, I hope he stays because, there's very few times like the grass is always greener. I'm not sure it's, it's a lot colder up there. It might be warmer on the other side of whatever fence he's looking at, but, <laughs> but that's a great place to be. It's a great place to coach. So I, I hope he never leaves.
0: Yeah. And he's never going to get fired. There, there's, there's something to be said for always having the job security that you can coach mm-hmm. until you are done coaching in one spot never have to worry about moving your family. Never have to worry about relocating. Moving is a bitch. Trust me. I've done it too many times. Hmm don't move yeah you can if you you can sit down roots set down those roots all right uh let's walk through first team all america for at the field of 68 our first team all american team was oscar shibwe johnny davis keegan murray kofi coburn and osha ibaji it's the same first team all american that i had and i believe it's the same first team all america that you had when you submitted. no
2: no i had i had um who were the last two you said kofi coburn i had him on i didn't have him I thought he was too inconsistent. So I went uh, Colin Gillespie on first team as I, opposed I to Kofi Coburn.
0: That. I, I, uh, Gillespie was my first second team guy. Yeah. It, my thing. The, this, the, my, it just the centerpiece of the guy that won a share of the Big Ten regular season title. I just, to me, that was a little bit more than what Gillespie. I love, and look, I love what Gillespie's done. But I think you got to go yeah. with the guy that was part of a, a regular season title.
2: No, I hear you. I hear you. And I, and I like Kofi Coburn fine. It's just, uh, Every there, there were so many Gosh, Rob, we watched so many freaking games and I watched probably five or six of Illinois games over the course of the year. And I think uh, three of which or four or two or three of which he was in foul trouble and didn't really get out of the blocks. And that might just been a victim of which games I watched. But uh, I, obviously, his numbers are terrific. He had a great year. It's just, that stuck out to me whenever they played, whenever they played Purdue at home and he was just overwhelmed with guys that were just as big as him, that really stuck out in my mind. And then I watched Colin Gillespie in person, just take the heart and soul out of everybody in Providence, Rhode Island one night where it was just a madhouse and he just did nothing bothered him. So I went Colin Gillespie on that first one.
0: Let me ask you this. I think kind of for college basketball media as a whole, We've kind of gotten to the point where we don't think that there is a team from the Big Ten that is necessarily a Final Four favorite. Maybe it's it's Purdue, maybe it's Illinois, Uh, Wisconsin can make it, Iowa can make it, whatever you want to say. I think we've all kind of accepted that there is a certain level of teams um, and the Big Ten does not have one of those teams. But they have three first-team All-Americans, according to us, and according to what is, I think, going to end up being the consensus. And that does not include second-team All-American in Jaden Ivey for uh, for us. So what is that – can you take anything away from that? Or is that just – is it just one of those weird things that happened this year? What what does it mean that you have all these great players in the Big Ten but you don't have a great team?
2: I think a little bit of it might be a product of their environment. I, I, I mean, like, these are guys that stick around. Like, Jaden Ivey's a sophomore. Keegan Murray, he's an older kid. Uh, Johnny Davis, is I think he's a sophomore, correct? I mean, mm-hmm. these guys have been there for a minute. So, you, you I don't know that – I think sometimes whenever you get into the Big Ten and the Big 12, I think there's so many good teams that they kind of beat up on each other and they all kind of find a way to beat each other up. And then you find – and then you see ways that you can beat this team as opposed to looking at a Duke who played in a week conference this year and you're just like, man, I think they could do it. Because they're beating the absolute mud out of, you know, the bottom 10 team, 10 or so odd teams in the ACC. So I think that's that could be a big part of it. And then to go along with both those conferences being so good, uh, Big Ten in particular being so good. It's just an older league. So you can find out how to beat teams and you have coaches that really scout well and then you have guys that can perform the scout. So everybody's always finding ways. It's it's such a chess match with the with those guys. And the only reason that I don't think there's a surefire Big Ten team for the Final Four is because it, it, there's so many teams that play with in that league that play with big bigs, and that's just not the way the game goes. And traditionally speaking, over the last you know five some five six some odd years, uh, teams with big bigs get exposed against guys that can shoot over the top, and that's mm-hmm. what scares me about the Big Ten, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's kind of why, believe it or not, I I like the idea of Iowa a little bit, being able to make a run more than some of these other teams. Even though Iowa doesn't guard, I do think that they have uh, the ability to match up with with modern uh, college basketball teams a little bit easier than someone like a Purdue or someone like an Illinois. All right, our second team All-Americans for the field of 68 collectively, uh, Colin Gillespie. Ben Matherin at Arizona, Jaden Ivey at Purdue, Jabari Smith from Auburn, and Drew Timmy from Gonzaga, third-team All-Americans, J.D. Notay, uh, Arkansas, E.J. Liddell, Ohio State, Paolo Banquero from Duke, Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga, Walker Kessler from Auburn, who was also our defensive player of the year. The only difference I had um, was I had uh, Chet, second-team, and Jaden Ivy third-team. Beyond that, everything else, I, I had the same 15 guys that we had collectively that I had on my individual ballot. Um, did you have anything different on the second team?
2: Second team, I went Jaden Ivey, Purdue, J.D. Note, Arkansas, and then I went to three freshmen because I thought their impact was incredible, which kind of says a lot about me because Paolo Bencaro, um didn't win ACC player of the year, and Alondis Williams did, and I voted for Alondis Williams, but yet here I am talking about Paolo Banquero being a second team All-American. And I just thought, like after what he did against some of these national, nationally ranked teams in the non-con, I thought he deserved that nod. And then to where the ACC Player of the Year—I'm talking just what they did against ACC competition. So that that kind of—I'm kind of backwards there. But Walker Kessler, I could have seen—I could have thrown him on the second team, quite frankly, Mm -hmm. because defensively there was nobody like him.
0: Yep, I think Auburn had two guys that had to be in that conversation, and Gonzaga had two guys that had to be in that conversation. Mm-hmm. No matter the way that you slice it, do you like Walker Kessler as the defensive player of the year?
2: Yeah, I do. He blocks everything. He he changes that team. You want to hear and, a wild stat? You know, I got yes, a, I got a wild. This might
0: blow your mind. Do you okay. know the last time that there was a team that averaged more than eight steals, more than eight blocks, and held their opponents to under forty percent shooting? That's what that's what uh, uh that's what Auburn did this year technically nope. it was it was 7.95 blocks per game that they averaged but they're still the only team since Georgetown 1988-89 when they had Alonzo Mourning when they had Dikembe Mutombo that was the last team that averaged more than 8 steals more than 8 blocks and held their <laughs> opponents to under 40% shooting from the floor uh, for an entire season
2: that's wild it's so much about like about having guys behind you that you can get out and gamble a little bit
0: Right, mm-hmm. like
2: that—that's that, the big thing about go. Auburn. Like they have those guys, Walker Kessler, and Jabari Smith isn't a great rim protector, but he's still there and he's still athletic. But man, it, Walker Kessler just blocks everything. It's amazing. He had 90 how, how blocks in
0: 18 SEC games. Now he averaged five blocks.
2: That's stupid. He
0: averaged five blocks. He had two triple yeah. doubles with blocks this season. <laughs> that's <what> ridiculous. <we're> <laughs> yes. That's
2: insane. Yeah, that's stupid numbers. Stupid when numbers. was the last on time on the defensive end?
0: In all seriousness, can you remember anybody that was a rim protector that was as good as him? When was the last time? Because th- honestly, I think it was Anthony Davis. It was the yeah. last guy that was as good as him as a rim protector.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's it. I, I don't see another one. You know, you want to say Mark Williams because, I mean, they play a little bit different and they don't switch out as much to where, like there was a lot of blocks where Walker Kessler would get switched out. He would get beat and then blocked from behind. Like Duke doesn't get in those predicaments, so he's going to have you know some chances to do it that way. But since Anthony Davis, no, I think it's about there. Imagine having two top fifteen players in the country and struggling to win because you don't have guards. Well,
0: to be fair, (laughs) they won twenty. They won twenty seven games and they won the SEC regular season title outright. So yeah. Well, to be fair, yeah, you're right. They 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 lost three close games down the stretch, but in March you're going to play close games, and that that's something that is going to end up being an issue. So. We'll see what happens. I still think Auburn's really good, and hopefully Wendell Green. Uh, on Saturday, he had 10 points, 7 assists, 0 turnovers, and only took 7 shots. If we get that Wendell Green in March, I think that that changes the, uh, the calculus for this Auburn team mm-hmm. a little bit. But listen, T.O., this has been fun. This has been the Doster, T.O., and Fanta podcast. Uh, we closed it as just the Doster and T.O. podcast. We got the, we, the talent stayed for the end. The, the entertainment he big-timed us. He big-timed the, us. The, the, the entertainment left a little bit early.
2: yep Yep. it's been
0: a pleasure man i will see you thursday night madison square garden get ready
2: buddy get ready i'm ready to get i'm ready